Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. What are the keys of the kingdom of God? Jesus was speaking with Peter and his disciples. He was asking them, who do people say that I am? Jesus used the term the son of man to describe himself often. And that term came from a prophecy in the Old Testament book of Daniel, where Daniel prophesied that a son of man would come and be the king of the earth and depose other kingdoms and earthly kingdoms. And his kingdom would be like a rock that would come and break into those other kingdoms and then grow and grow and grow and fill the whole world. So Jesus knew who he was, but he was testing the disciples. And in Matthew 16, he was saying to them, who do people say that I am? And Peter answered in verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He was saying, you are that prophesied Messiah, the one who is going to come and be the king that would institute a kingdom that would grow and fill the world, a new kingdom, a good kingdom, a kingdom of peace and righteousness. And Jesus answered and said to him in verse 17, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Jesus's response was quite extreme. Blessed are you. Wow, well done. You You are covered in God's supernatural blessing because... You couldn't have worked this out by yourself. God has shown this to you. This was revealed to you. You've seen some truth that flesh and blood can't understand, that human wisdom and eyes can't see. And Jesus went on to say, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. That's an amazing thing. You are Peter. The the Greek here gives us slightly more insight. In the English, it's a little bit hard to understand. But Jesus said, you are Petros. That's what Peter is in Greek. And on this rock, Petra, I will build my church. Petros means little rock. Petra means huge, gigantic, almost continent-sized rock. Uh, He said, you are Peter, and on this Petra, I will build my church. And this is the first time Jesus ever says the word church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now, let me please stop there and ask you, what picture comes into your mind when you hear that verse where Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Most of us... When we hear that sentence, think of a big rock and then a church building being built upon it. And then when he says, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it, we think that Hades, the the church is this little um, island rock with, with a church on it. And the Hades is attacking it from the outside, all around, from all sides, Hades is attacking. But then it says, but the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And suddenly we understand that what Jesus was saying was similar to that Old Testament prophecy in Daniel, where the new kingdom would come as a rock. 
it would shatter the existing kingdoms and then it would grow bigger and bigger and bigger. So actually what Jesus was saying is I'm going to build my church on this rock, this new kingdom, and it's going to grow and grow and grow. And it's invading the kingdom of Hades, the kingdom of the devil, where the devil has lied to people, where he has put people in bondage, where he has made people feel guilty or condemned where he has put sickness or death or pain or lack or misery or conflict, all these different things. These are the gates of Hades all around the world. The the Bible talks of them as strongholds in 2 Corinthians 10. Um, They're strongholds of the enemy built on lies where the devil has managed to, to lie to people and he's built up a stronghold of evil or misinformation. And the church is growing And every time we encounter the gates of Hades, it may be in a business situation, it may be in a political system, it may be in education, it may be in a family matter, it may be in one-on-one interpersonal relationships. But whenever we encounter the gates of Hades where people have believed the devil's lies and the devil is ruling and reigning, the church breaks through and the gates of Hades will not prevail. Isn't that a completely different perspective? It's not us as a little island fortress being attacked from all sides and worrying, will we survive till the end? No, no. He's saying it's a rock and a church that grows and fills the whole world. Now, we know that it won't fill the world completely until Jesus comes back. He is the one who will institute a righteous kingdom forever for a thousand years when he comes back. And until then, there will always be this conflict and the devil is winning um, in many, many places. But the principle is that the church is growing and the gates of Hades are the ones that are defending themselves against Jesus's kingdom and his church. I wonder if you'd seen that before. It's not something we can see easily, but it Just like Peter needed the Holy Spirit to help him see that Jesus was the Christ, we need revelation knowledge to understand these things. And then in verse 19, Jesus says, And I will give you, Peter, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. (laughs) Again, this is a, a misconception. We read this and often we think he's saying the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Peter, I'm giving you the keys so that you can open the door and get into the kingdom of heaven. But he's not saying that. He says the keys of the kingdom of heaven. In other words, Peter, you are part of the kingdom of heaven already. And now you take those keys and you use them in your assault against the gates of Hades, wherever the devil has had control or influence or authority. We use the keys of the kingdom. You say, what is this all about? I'm going to try and list the keys a little bit later, but just as a foretaste. When Jesus was just about to go to the cross in John 12, 31, he says, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. He was talking of the devil. He called him the ruler or the prince of this world. When Jesus had died and risen again, he said to his disciples, all authority has now been given to me. Therefore, you go make disciples of all the nations. Go and spread this kingdom. The authority, the keys of the kingdom are the authority to push back the devil's power. And in Colossians 2 verse 15, Jesus, um, it says that Jesus has disarmed 
the principalities and powers, the evil spiritual forces. They are still here. They're still active. They're still lying. But he's disarmed them in that he's taken away any legal authority or any legal power they have. The only power they have now is to lie. And if we can remain strong and say, I choose to believe God's word instead of the devil's lies, he can't affect us. Isn't that amazing? And in Revelation, Jesus says that I'm the one who has the keys of death and Hades. He, he went down and he, he plundered hell and he opened the doors so that people didn't have to stay there. As soon as they hear the truth of the gospel, the light of God comes on in their hearts and their minds and they can be saved and run away from the devil's kingdom. So it's not the keys to the kingdom. It's the keys of the kingdom. It's not the keys to get into heaven. It's once we're in heaven, we now have the authority, the name of Jesus, which is like a key that can open things. The authority, the delegated power. It's like he's given us his checkbook with signed checks to say, do my will and spend and extend the kingdom of God. Then he goes on to say, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And most versions, and in fact, even in my version, there's a footnote that says, will have been bound or will have been loosed. Uh, most versions of the Bible say, whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. And it's similar to the keys illustration, but it's just using a slightly different picture. You could say with keys, whatever you lock or unlock will have been locked or unlocked in heaven, but he's saying bound or unbound. It's saying you can open and close things. You can stop things and release things. You have authority over things on earth, but only if it's been done in heaven. And there's this weird interplay where he trusts us to know what has been done in heaven. Do you remember in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, Jesus said, when you pray, pray your kingdom come, Lord, we're talking about the kingdom of God. What is the definition of the kingdom of God? It is this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we see what heaven is like. We understand God's will in heaven. No more crying, no more pain, no more sickness, no more death, no more guilt, no more hiding, no more deception, no more uh, sin, no more disobedience. All these things that are the kingdom of heaven we say that will that's done in heaven, we have authority to release it here on earth. Now, I must just tell you about one other passage. There's only one other place in the four Gospels where Jesus mentions the word church. He mentions it here in Matthew 16 and in Matthew 18, verse 17. If he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church... Let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. He was saying there are times when there are disagreements and uh, conflicts within the church. The church gets involved. First of all, people must try and resolve it by themselves, just the two of them. They can then involve others, but it, it may reach a stage where the church has to get involved and the church has to say, this is right, this is wrong. And if a person won't repent, the church may have to say, you must leave the church, which is quite an extreme um, end results. But then in verse 18, he says, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And it's again the same 
translation, will have been bound in heaven, will have been loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, verse 19, that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now, there's this interplay because we see what God's will is in heaven from his word, not from our own imagination or dreaming it up. We know what God wants. He's promised it in his word. He's given us his will. We see what he wants. We know it's been done in heaven. We proclaim it. But here he says that um, two of us agree on earth and it will be done by my father in heaven. There's, there's an element where we play a part. And he goes on to say, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. And now we see the place of the church, the church in the Matthew 16 passage where Jesus gives Peter the keys of the kingdom. It's in the context of growing his church, his people. But here he says the church has authority, especially when they're in unity, where two people agree, where two or three gather in his name. He is there. His power is there. And the Father in heaven acts um, when we agree or when we say things on his behalf. And so we see this amazing interplay, the kingdom of heaven, the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and what Jesus was doing. Let me, before I go on to describe what the keys of the kingdom are, let me just summarize and make a few important points. Number one, it's for a purpose. He's given us the keys for a purpose. It's not just for our own ideas, for our own self-gratification or enrichment. He gives us authority, the keys of the kingdom for a purpose. And that purpose is to extend his kingdom, to grow his church. You say, how do I extend his kingdom? Whenever people bow their knee or their hearts to Jesus as king, his kingdom has extended. What is the kingdom? It's God's reign and rule on earth as it is in heaven. Whenever we see people obeying God, the kingdom of heaven has grown. And the church is a massive part of this. Both times he mentions church, he mentions this principle. So it's for a purpose. It's for a purpose. It's not for me. It's for a bigger purpose, a purpose greater than myself. Friend, have you bought into that purpose? Have you understood God's big plan for the planet to grow the family of God, but at the same time grow the kingdom of God around the world? Secondly, it's for a person. Again, it's not for me. It's for Jesus. It's for him and he is the king. It's about a relationship with the king. It's not just principles and ideas. And if I do the right steps, then I will see the right results. I love Jesus. I talk to him and I am serving him and extending his kingdom and doing his will. It's for a person. You've got to be connected to the person of Jesus for these keys to work. It's for a purpose. It's for a person. Thirdly, it's with permission. He has given us permission. I don't dream up what I'm going to use the keys of the kingdom for. Um, in 1 John 5, 14, he says, if we pray anything according to his will, we know that we have what we asked. We've got to say, God, what is it you want to do? Not what do I want to do? Let me flow with your plan, with your permission. And he gives us that permission, that authority. Amazingly, he delegates it to us. In Luke 10, when Jesus sent out the 70, 
He says, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the works of the enemy. Nothing will by any means harm you. He's given us authority and the ability to use his name to say things on his behalf and to see results. So it's for a purpose, for a person with permission. Fourthly, it's with people. It's with the church of God. I've got to be linked with others. It's not about a lone ranger. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail. He said, where two of you agree, it will be done. Where two or three are gathered, I'm there in the midst. It's a corporate thing. It's not for me as an individual. Ask somebody else to agree with you in something that you're praying for, that you're working towards. Do it with people. The church is intricately involved in God's kingdom growing on planet Earth. And then lastly, it's by proclamation or prayer. It's by saying things. It's by saying things. And I want to close with this just to um, give a summary of what I believe the, the keys of the kingdom are and to show you that it is linked to what we say in prayer, in proclamation, in prophecy, in preaching, in praise. All of these things are things we say and the kingdom of God grows. So Mark 11 verse 23, Jesus was trying to teach the disciples a lesson. He cursed a fig tree, the fig tree died and they were astounded. And he said to them, assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, proclaims to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Jesus was saying prayer is sometimes proclaiming. There's, there's this interplay between sometimes I ask and sometimes I say what God's will. And they're both called prayer. Jesus called it prayer. When you pray, believe that you receive them or you have received them and you will have them. It's again this thing of if it's done in heaven, it'll be done on earth. I proclaim the Lord's Prayer where he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. The things he tells us to ask for, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from the evil one. Those are all things that he has already done for us and already promised us and already said he will give us. And when we ask for them, we're not begging, we're proclaiming his will with an attitude of humility and realizing our dependence on him. And that's what he was saying here with the fig tree. You can say to this mountain and believe that what you say will be done, but it's with faith, not with doubt. And it's the things that God has already told us that he wants for us, not what we have dreamed up on our own. And so there's proclamation. So what are the keys? Number one, we have authority over the demonic realm. Colossians 2 verse 15 says that Jesus has disarmed the demonic powers and principalities. In Matthew uh, 12, Jesus says that he will bind the strong man. He's already bound the, demo the demons and the devil, but he gives us authority to speak in his name with his authority over things where the enemy has come against us or come against things. We have authority in prayer over the demonic realm. Number two, authority over sickness. In Mark 16, he says, these signs will follow those who believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Um, in the book of Acts, Paul speaks 
to people who are sick. Peter speaks to people who are sick and he rebukes sickness and he tells people to stand up or to be healed or to come back to life. We have authority not only over the demons, but over sickness and death. And we can speak on his behalf. These are the keys of the kingdom and they are proclaiming tools. Number three, prayer. We can pray. He says, when, whenever we pray together, where two of us agree, where two or three are, are gathered in his name, uh, when we pray, we believe that we have received them. We pray his will, his promises, his word, but we have authority in prayer to see things change. Friend, don't underestimate the power of prayer. In James, it says, you have not because you ask not. Often God is just waiting for us. He's promised it. He wants it for us, but he's waiting for us to gather with the church or with one or two others and to pray, to proclaim, and to see things change. We have the keys of the kingdom to see God's church grow. Number four, speaking his truth or his word or the gospel. You know, in Ephesians 6, it says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against these demonic realms. We're fighting not against people and not against circumstances or physical things. It's a spiritual fight. But then it says that we have this armor and almost all of the pieces of armor are linked to the word of God, the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation or the hope of salvation. It's called in Thessalonians, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the shield of faith. Faith means believing God's word instead of our senses, uh, praying in the spirit. These are they're all linked to the word of God and to proclamation. The only one that isn't is the breastplate of righteousness, which means we act in a righteous way. But they, they are they are word based tools and the feet fitted the shoes on the feet on the armor of God are the feet fitted with the gospel, the readiness to preach the gospel of peace. Now, it's a fight. We're extending a fight. He's, he's describing armor, but it's a gospel of peace. He's describing fighting weapons, but when we preach the gospel, it's a gospel of peace. Peace between people, peace between man and God. Uh, peace so that we have the peace of God. We're not worried or under guilt or fear anymore. It's a gospel of peace. Jesus has made peace between man and God. And so when we speak God's word, when we preach God's word, when we read God's word out, out loud, uh, you know, Psalm 103 verse 20 talks about the angels and it says they obey the voice of the word of God. And you and I are often the voice of the word of God. Hebrews 1 says that they are ministering spirits, those angels, to minister to us who will inherit salvation. And so when we say God's word, we repeat God's promises, we praise him for his promises and for his word. Things happen in the spiritual realm, and these are part of the keys of the kingdom. We are opening and closing things. When you declare a promise of God, you say, thank you, God that all my children will be taught of the Lord and great will be their peace. Something happens. A key has been used to open and close various doors because the spiritual realm is moving and working. And then the last key is the authority of the church. The church is involved and the Matthew 18 passage where he says you can exclude a person and treat them as a tax collector or a sinner means that the church has authority you know, the church is what Jesus is building on the rock of the revelation of his word. Um, and he's building his church, but it's a protection. The church is a protection. And when we're in it, 
God protects us from the attacks of the enemy, from the lies of the enemy, uh, from various things. It's a bit like Noah's Ark. It keeps us safe through the storm. And as we grow and we're part of God's growing kingdom, we're kept safe if we're in the church. But we have the authority to say to some people, if you don't want to be part of God's kingdom and you don't want to serve God and you don't want to obey him, you are now no longer under the protection of the church. Now, that is an awesome, awesome responsibility, a scary responsibility. And we don't do it lightly. It can be done because the church is God's covering and protection. And part of the keys of the kingdom is this thing called the church, not a brick building, not a denomination, not a set of rules or traditions. God's vital living body of members who love him, who praise him, who are united together in his name to serve him. And you and I have the keys of the kingdom. Friends, it's a kingdom of purpose. It's a kingdom of people. It's a kingdom for a person and it's a kingdom with permission, but it's also a kingdom of proclamation. We have the keys of the kingdom. Father God, I pray that you would help my brother and my sister and me to be part of this kingdom, to have you as our king, but then to see our purpose and to start extending your kingdom, to use these keys of proclamation, of prayer, to see things change, to gather with others and in faith believe to see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, I pray for more churches to grow, for more groups to spring up, two or three gathered in your name, for your kingdom to grow and grow and grow as you build your church on us, the rock of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, look us up, leadinglightsnetwork.com on the internet. You'll see so much more about this and we would love to help you do your part where you live. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.